This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Everybody, welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Today, Kyle and I are joined by Mr. Toby Hansen from Missoula, Montana. And I'm looking at my calendar. It's 10-5 right now. And in under 30 days, Yellowstone season premiere hits. Mm. Uh, 11-4. Filmed right here in our city. So um, I I have been to Missoula. Oh, seriously? I don't yeah, I don't know very many people, you know, in Florida that make it out that way, but I have been to Missoula. I actually flew into Billings and we stayed at a place called the Tate Upper Canyon Ranch in Alder, Montana. Oh yeah. Yeah, then that's a beautiful place. There's it we've got it was a number a of long drive. Rooms. Yeah, well <laughs> everything's a long drive in Montana, guys. Yeah, hmm. absolutely. So Two listen hours before to get we groceries. Before we get ramped up into your software and everything, talk a little bit about your background and sort of how you uh, got to the position you're in right now, and then we'll ramp it up and start talking about InsureTech. Yeah, you bet. I'm uh, I'm like a lot of us in insurance, came to insurance, probably didn't even know how to spell it, actually. Uh, came to insurance in 1995, worked for a mutual for 15 years, was a captive although we were captives that looked like independent agents because it was a small mutual. So they found a lot of different uh, carriers for us to write through. Kind of cut my teeth on small commercial uh, because my mutual had a lot of limited uh, capacity in in certain areas. And so got my start there in 2010, we went to being an independent agency. So, uh, you know, joined that world, thought I knew insurance, then realized I didn't know anything till I became an independent. It was a whole new experience. Uh, but we went to being an independent agent so we could expand our horizons in our agency. And so then we started to take on the role of some MGA work uh, with some program work. We do a fishing program. We're launching a bond program this year. And so uh, in 2016, to expand what we could do I started a software company. That's where my background is from college and the early days and uh, have been working on building insurance tech, what they call insure tech these days. That's the term everybody likes to use. Uh, we swim definitely in different waters than you guys do, David. We're, we're all about the small commercial market. 
um, which is our emphasis. Although recently it's been payments, which I think are relevant to every every level of insurance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do small business, but truthfully, we refer 100% of it over to Cover Wallet through a link and yeah. an iframe on our website because it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And I mean, that's one of the number one things when I talk to producers who, who are kind of trying to be all things to all people, you just got to figure out what you're going to be the best at, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with writing small business, but if you're going to write small business, be the best at that. You know, have the systems in place, have your agency set up. And, you know, I don't think that the average consumer understands there's a massive difference between how you handle a small business account in the commercial world and how you handle middle market in the commercial world. Because I have to just be very uh, humble and tell them I'm not set up to serve you as a small business. I'm sorry. I don't have the right markets. I don't have the staffing to do that. So we have made the decision that we're going to send you over to our partners over here. And that's what we do. We know our lane and we stay in it. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. I, I think sometimes as agents, we even wonder if the carriers have a clear vision like that. I don't think they have a lot of times as clear a vision as you do on that because you know I know many times as an agent you're wondering on a on a three thousand dollar account how they can afford to touch it as many times as they do you just you know it gives you an idea that you start to feel they don't have as good a handle on their on their costs as you do because you're you're like guys we can't handle it this much why are you guys handling it this much so I think a lot of carriers are getting a lesson in that the last two three years and they're having to make decisions on how they do that. Um, you know, that that's when we made the decision to focus on small commercial, it was definitely a decision of volume. Uh, it, you know, it has to be, or you don't want to be in those waters. Yeah. And I mean, listen, here's how I, here's how I validate what you just said about carriers, not really having a clear vision. If you go to a carrier for a middle market appointment, the very first thing they do is tell you, well, you got to give us X number of dollars, a small commercial first. Well, wait a minute. I have to graduate to something that I do every day already with you. Like I ha I can't go in and just start writing bops when my CRM has no prospects that would qualify for a bop in them. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make sense. I, I would think that if I was running the carrier, I would want the absolute best middle market agents in the middle market. I don't want the guys and the ladies that have, and I mean no disrespect by this, but I don't want the people who are just trying to figure out how to write middle market to represent my brand in the middle market. I want people who've already proven they can do it. So that's kind of a slap in the face to me, right? When I go to a carrier, because we're at a point right now where we don't need any more carriers. I, the carriers are coming and asking us if we want to contract with them. And um, I'm really, really selective about that because I don't want too many mouths to feed. I hate the conversation that starts with, hey, your production goal was, you know, and I'm not even going to get into that. So we're very judicious about who we place business with and, and why we've chosen them. And those are the people, those are the carriers that share the same vision that we do. If a carrier is looking for, you know, submission volume and, you know, because that's the other thing that cracks me up, right? You got the carriers that say, well, we need 100 submissions a month. I'm not going to give you 100 submissions a month. Yeah. I'm going to give you five. And they're going to be worth about a half million or more in premium. That are gonna and close. we're going to right. bind 100% of them. Which yeah. one works out better you know i, I don't that's know never made sense to me either man to be honest with you like you, you just want to send you just want us to send in a bunch of garbage submissions just so that the submission column is at a certain level but 
none of it, none of them end up going through to bind. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it's this. That's the small business mentality, though, with a carrier because in their mind, you know, they're used just, to the quote volume. and hope. Yeah. yeah, they're used to transactional placement of an insurance product. You right. know, I go in. I'm working on a submission right now. The thing's going to go in a three ring binder when I send it yeah. in, like it, right. an electronic one, but it would go into a three ring binder because we're showing every single angle from a risk management perspective as to why an underwriter should write these accounts. And I just don't think with artificial intelligence where it is and the predictive modeling from an underwriting standpoint, that's where carriers are pushing things to become profitable in small business. It's gotta be a hundred percent automated. And mm -hmm. for an agency, Truthfully, you can't afford to, to, to service this stuff if you're a normal agency unless you have just ridiculous technology and procedures on lockdown. Otherwise, you're better off letting a service center handle it for you, and you, you keep on going about your business focusing on revenue-bearing activities. Well, and mm -hmm. I, I think that's personally the danger when you start, if you feel like the only way you can do small commercials, start tossing it to the service centers 100%. If, 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 uh, small commercial is what you do because you just turned yourself into one of the big corporate agencies. And that's, so those have been the things we've, we've really worked on. You know, I think, I think our game plan has been vertical integration, trying to make more uh, revenue off of each, each part of the transaction. And, uh, so um, you you had mentioned that you were in the captive world and thought you knew everything about insurance and then transitioned to independent and quickly realized that that was not the case. What was it that you know kind of slapped you in the face initially that you learned? So uh, well, first of all, the captive world. Despite all the griping, I think a lot of agents are have their hands held by their by their captive carrier, and they think they've got it tough. But when you jump out into the independent world. Right, it's a little bit like going from high school to college. You realize um, there's no vested interest on the other side of you succeeding. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta succeed, dude. And so, um, and I don't think it was a huge transition for us because my agency did a. a when you looked at our book, a, a higher percentage of it was uh, general agency business, so it was closer to that cap, uh, independent model. However, it was still a learning lesson, you know. There was a learning curve there when we when we made the transition, and then you know just how your markets open up. Uh, in the, when you live in the captive world, um, you have such tunnel vision because you're uh, what you see in the insurance universe is really determined by your captive company, and so you really don't fully understand everything that's out there. Yeah, but I think that there's some things as well that are. Um benefits to being in the captive world. Tech is one of them. And I'm not meaning tech as being the best functioning and everything, but I mean, tech is in being built out and provided for you. That's a big issue when you move independent. You know, all my friends that have been at Allstate or Nationwide or even State Farm, they have those systems. Those are the only systems that they have. There isn't a choice as to which ones you use. And so you're trained in them and they work. Um, you know, there's always going to be an argument as to whether it's the most efficient use of technology or whatever else. I can't speak to it because I've never seen it before. I just know the feedback that I get from people. But when you go into the independent world, you're in the big blue ocean all by yourself and you got to figure out 
what you need and you know what's a shiny object and what's not and how you're going to get support programming it and all of the other stuff. So to me, if I was looking at anything that, uh, you know, from a from a captive standpoint, that makes sense. I think that their brand recognition is huge. They do have set systems in place, and from what I understand, their training programs are pretty good for the people that are there. And when you go to the independent, independent is freedom, but sometimes free, freedom's too much freedom if you don't like know what to expect and what you're getting into. Even if you're a producer and an independent, it's a big jump to go from producer to agency principal. Yeah, I think I, you know, from a technology standpoint, the example I would use is it's it's definitively Apple versus Windows, right? It's like an Apple phone versus a Google phone, and and this is an argument we have in our family. You know, some people like the Apple phone because that the architecture you, you of that seem is like a droid guy, down. Toby. I'm not yeah, gonna lie, I am you a see- droid guy. Yep, I am because. <laughs> Because some people, just like David's saying, some people are freaked out by all the choices, right? And mm-hmm. they'll take reliability over over choice. And I think that's definitely part of how the captive world works. Uh, you're in a lockdown system, so of course, even if it's old technology, it all works more seamlessly with each other. Because, like you said, it is a real challenge as an independent to try and make all this different technology work together. It, it, Absolutely. So talk integrate. a little bit about your tech journey and your agency. I mean, that's what brought the two of us together originally was sure. talking about what you're doing from a tech standpoint. Yeah. So, you know, our programs cover the commercial area of uh, excess and surplus lines. You know, we're a big believer in price indications because my belief is that uh, when we spend so much time on submissions and again, remembering we're working in the small commercial world, uh, you spend all this time trying to get a quote to somebody when you don't even know if they're going to pay the premium. And so we're a big believer in hitting that person with the premium. Find out you're qualifying them right there if that person wants to go forward. So our products are all designed to shoot out uh, price or premium indications within 10 to 20 seconds. Uh, the other part of that is what I was talking about earlier is uh, our product that hit the market this year is a payment portal that just, we literally spend so much time when we look at it and through our agency management system, we're, we're able to track that activity pretty good, uh, just collecting payments for people. So a couple of years ago, we decided, hey, this has got to get automated. And, you know, we even end up spending a lot of time, and I know agents that hear this know what I'm talking about. You, you spend a lot of time with direct bill people they can't navigate the websites of the carriers and they yeah. can't stand it. And so what we're finding is that people use our payment portal product, even when they can go to the agents or the, the insurance carriers website. And it's simply because they're not interested in double verification. They don't remember what their account number is. They don't want to put in, they don't want to register. And so it's been, it's been an eye opening experience to us because when we started this, it was generally uh, designed more for our uh, agency bill uh, commercial insurance, but the amount it's used on the uh, personal line side, like in home and auto, has been crazy. Uh, just um, because it charges, there's a convenience fee or processing fee for using it. And, uh, you know, my wife always tells me I'm cheap, and this makes me realize I probably am cheap because 
I definitely would not pay some of the processing fees people do, but to them it's about convenience and they need to get ease, it done. Yep. Ease of use, and, absolutely. Yep. And don't tell me about, I don't care what, what it is. I need to make this payment and get on with my day. And so the payment portal has been pretty impressive that way. So instead of getting on the carrier's website, they'll jump on your payment portal and is and it links up to to the carrier. Like how does that how does that work? No, and the, it, it doesn't link to the carrier yet. That goes back to David. That's it's a pretty wide universe. So trying to make all those linkages is 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 not uh, possible at this point. Uh, but what it does, they they can jump on our site, make the payment, and be off of there in 30 seconds, I suppose. 40 seconds depends how fast you can type. Uh, sends it into us, uploads all into our accounting system. We, like a lot of agencies, use QuickBooks. Um, uploads into QuickBooks, so it saves it saves us money handling on the on the flip side. Got it. Good deal. So, how are you taking this thing to market? Uh, we're working with some agency uh, aggregators right now, and some groups is the way we we're taking that to market. Starting direct sales here with some telemarketing this fall. Uh, COVID kind of put a pin in some of the stuff we were doing just like it did for a lot of people. So we had to step back, but uh, the good news was we spent more time on some of the features. Uh, the text to pay will be out by uh, Q1 of 2022. I think that's definitely the next step in this process. Good deal. So. What efficiencies, how, I mean, how much has this improved in your agency? I'm sure that you're measuring this stuff like crazy right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Well, it cut out, it cut out one you know, part-time FTE in our, in our office, and uh, it's probably saving us about <clears> – <throat> we were just looking at a report from our uh, bookkeeper that, that we contract with, and it, it cut about $350 out of her bill last month. So, I mean, you know, that's – Together, that's a lot of that's a lot of money on the backside that you're saving, and it's a way to make this this higher volume uh, business you know more profitable. Again, I think that's the key to that is having to go back to that and say where can we make the money? You know, where can we increase the profitability here? Yeah, absolutely. So with where you start with a payment portal, there's a lot of things you can do that are going to spiderweb from that. What what do you see on the horizon? Uh, well, it's integrated now to all our other uh, rating products, so it uh, you know branches out from there. We're working on a, a cash acceptor for uh, a chain of insurance agencies where you eliminate any cash handling. I know people think cash is going away, but we still take in an incredible amount of cash. Uh, we, we do a lot hmm. in the construction world. A lot of those people still operate via cash. Um, we insure a lot of dispensaries in Montana. That's definitely still a cash business. So that's one of the, what you call spider webs out there. Uh, again, when you talk to, and this is, this is another world, right? The personal lines business. If you're running a five, $6 million book of personal lines business, you still have to have someone handling payments. And so one of the next steps is the development of the cash acceptance kiosk, which would also take credit cards and checks. So you can just eliminate that from your storefront. Um, I don't know what other people are seeing. We've noticed a definite uptick in foot traffic over the last couple of months, you know, that it died off almost completely. Um, and it's not because we have lower COVID numbers in Montana. We're one of the hot states for that. But people are just, 
they're coming back out and they're coming back into the office. So, you know, it adds a couple more issues to that, like low touch. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Montana is interesting. How are you getting enough critical mass? Like we were talking before we started recording, I've been there. I know that when I stayed at the ranch that we stayed on, they only went grocery shopping once every six months in a U-Haul <laughs> because things are so far removed from each other. Yeah. Talk about that crazy. a little bit. Well, we, we work throughout the Northwest. I mean, on the retail side, we write in eight states. Uh, our software definitely right, has a national focus, not a Montana focus. Uh, what Montana has been good for is kind of an incubator a great beta site to test with other agencies. Um, I'm part of an agency aggregation here in Montana, 22 agencies. So a lot of my friends have been gracious enough to let us, you know, use them as a test agency. So it's been good that way. What's some of the feedback that you've gotten from them? Uh, well, they like the easy use. That's, that's definitely what, the, what they like about that. I think I think what you're seeing, and again, this is in a different world than you guys, but uh, everybody's trying to figure out how they're going to handle this. Uh, you know, you're, you're faced with a couple different things right now. You need to, you need to step up in technology. Uh, we're having a labor shortage here. Just I don't know what you guys are seeing down there, but it's almost impossible to hire people right now. So you're trying to figure out, you know, if you want to grow and you want to expand, how are you going to do this? in this labor market because it's getting really tough. So uh, currently we're working with an offshore operation, integrating our software to them because I really actually think that's the next step is offering technology combined uh, with, with a labor component. Uh, Cause I, that's the need I see out there right now for agencies, especially small to mid-sized agencies. They're just having some incredible personnel issues. Yeah, I think the labor issue is happening pretty much everywhere at this point, and it's it's crazy. Um, I'll be very interested to see kind of what happens when the dust settles from all of this and the people that you are know, taking the short-term gain of sitting at home and not working so they can collect a check suddenly have to enter the workforce again. I, I'm not overly inclined to look to hire people at this point. Yeah, no, no, I think you're uh... – I mean, I don't want to defame anybody, but I think you're choosing from the shallow end of the pool right now on a lot of this stuff you're trying to do. I think, I think what we look at is really questioning the wisdom of uh, do you have to concentrate all your domestic staff on, on strictly being revenue producers and you've got to offshore your, your servicers. I, I mean, that's what's going on in the insurance world right now. I think anybody that deals with a company or a general agency recognizes from the emails those things are not coming from the united states and so uh it's you know we're going the way of every other industry i you know i somebody that probably fought it and wasn't happy about it and then have come around to understanding is just kind of the way of the world now yeah it's um it's going to be interesting to see because the the main street agents and the the independent shops are freaking out at the fact that you've got the next insurances and the thimbles and all of them out there that are, you know, integrating with Amazon and other people for quote bind issue products. And they're Mm -hmm. concerned about what's going to happen to their jobs. And eventually their agencies are not going to be worth anything because direct to consumer is the way things are going yet. I don't see an overabundance of, 
uh, motivation of people to change the way they're doing business. No, you know? no. it's kind of like you know you're you're on a plane. That, that doesn't have a pilot or you have a pilot that's non-responsive in the pilot seat and the plane's going down and everybody's screaming that the plane's going down, but nobody will get in there and steer the freaking plane. Yeah. Right. Yep. So is, is that like what, I mean, why do you think that is? Is that just the same stuff that we've talked about over and over again about how the industry is slow to change and, you know, late adapters or is there something else going on there? Well, I mean, <laughs> I hate I hate banging on old people as I'm getting closer to being old. <laughs> old but, people are the worst. <laughs> but I can tell you, as somebody that's been in software sales for the last three years, you know, just look at the average age of an agency principal, and then think about how much they like technology. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, right, the propensity of a boss, even when the subordinates come and say, "Hey, this would save us time and money," um, but but the thing I think they continually discount is when an employee has a task that is just so excruciating you know it's like it's like the old story you can't haul it you can't take the donkey to water it just when you when you leave certain tasks in your agency that are becoming so nasty um, like say rewrites or remarkets or just renewals on a lot of commercial business um, and if you don't have a good tasking system, you don't realize how much your your staff is avoiding that stuff, you know, and all of a sudden you're up against an X date and you're missing a bunch of stuff. And so I think I think it's just laziness. I hate to say that, but it's even if it's on an intellectual level, they just don't want to change things. This is the way we've always done it. It's working mm -hmm. till now, right? I mean, one of the one of the traps of agencies in the insurance business is through your inflationary factor, and if you do service business uh, you, and you're not really tracking it, you just don't understand the slide that's going on. I think, you know, it's like David, the, the whole point is you still have to, there's got to be a value add in that proposition with you and your customer. And so, you know, I, it, there's just going to be the haves and the have nots in this whole process, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, man, it's natural selection. It's no different than anything else. The the strong are going to survive. And people who listen to this podcast know that I talk about it all the time. You have adopters, adapters, and do-nothings. Adopters are the ones who adopt the technology. They make the moves to push their business to the forefront before they have to. Adapters are more reactive in that something has to happen. COVID had to happen before they decided webcams were important or video quoting was important or mm -hmm. the ability to meet with people over Zoom was a new normal. They adapted once that became what other people were doing. Then you have the other people that are the do-nothings, which sadly is a large subset of the the demographic of independent agencies at large out there that are simply going to do absolutely nothing and hope for the best because that's the way they've always done it. And that's a really dangerous thought process because everything... Listen, I'm not that old. I'm going to be almost... Well, I'm almost 50. I'll be 50 in two years, okay? I've seen a ton of stuff change in 50 years. Mm -hmm. But I've seen the majority of that stuff change in the last 20. You know, look yeah. at the migration of technology oh, just over the course of my lifetime for how I could consume music. AM radio, <laughs> FM radio. Trans I had a, I'm yeah. old enough that I had a transistor radio 
Then I had the earpiece, but it wasn't headphones. You just plugged it into the top and it went in one ear so that you could hear mm. your music. Then we migrated to the boom box, to the Walkman, to the Discman. But think about the medium in which you got that. You got a cassette. You got an eight track. Then you moved to CD. For video consumption, we had um, you know VCR tapes. We had beta. We had laser disc. Now we had compact, you know, uh, DVDs. Then we had Blu-ray. All of that stuff's changed, but then the major metamorphosis is all of that crap's gone. Right. None of it even exists because we have this right here. We right. have it all in the palm of our hand in our phones. I can consume my music. I can watch video. I don't. Everything. I just bought a brand new truck, Toby. I and bought it's a brand instant. new. 2021 Dodge, and I was looking for a place to put a CD in because I was going to start loading the hard drive like I had in my BMW. Guess what? There is no CD player in that car. Uh -uh. I've got Apple CarPlay, so now I've got my Spotify that I have and pay for every month. I just listen to my music there. Dude, your boy had a Walkman. I used to have one of those back in the day. Yeah, but think about it, man. Like Everything that we used to need <clears throat> has now morphed into in one, place. one device that and, fits and in your instant. pocket. Your entire life is carried mm -hmm. around in your pocket. See, this Crazy. is where I know I'm older than you guys because you didn't bring up 8-tracks. So oh, I said 8-tracks. Oh, yeah. did you say 8-tracks? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I used to have the – actually, I, I, had the, I had the Star Wars soundtrack on 8-track. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you're exactly right. I mean, we're going through this. I don't think you guys are probably seeing this as much as we are because – Again, on our commercial side, so many of our guys are the ones doing the work out in the field, right? But with those guys, uh, I mean, we've moved past email. Email is, all, is irrelevant to those people. It's all text. And if you can't text them and talk to them in text, you're, you're not going to get a hold of them. I mean, the email is something they open up once a week on the weekends. And if you really start talking to them, some of them have... 4,000 unopened emails, so they avoid going to that mailbox. God, how does like that even plague. happen? I get an email, and I like I have to open them. Like, I, <laughs> I came back from North Carolina over the over the weekend, and I had like 55 unread emails or something, and I was like, I've got to go through these and clean them out. I don't know how that would happen. The only thing I see with the texts is after a while, like, um, you know, they, they just go away or they get deleted unless you have an insane amount of storage on your phone, so I could see that being an issue, you know, with if that's the only way you're communicating things. Um, but I agree. I think a lot of, I mean, there's a, a huge number of my clients or prospects for that matter. One, you know, one just texted me um, a few, a few minutes ago. So it's definitely, and, and that person is not like a younger person either. Like they, they, they are no. definitely in the, in the older generation. Here's the um, thing. We have a bias. We have a bias and a prejudice uh, surrounding technology, or more importantly, we have a bias and a prejudice surrounding how information that we have gets delivered. We want to force people to hear our message where we expect them to hear it. We're yeah. not giving them information necessarily where they want to receive it. Mm. People don't care about whether or not you're quoting over video. They actually prefer it. They don't care that you're texting them because that is a mode of communication. Guess what? For the people who care about getting a text, they have the ability to say, no, don't text this number when they fill out the contact form on our website. Our CRM records that information. And guess what? We don't text them. But the over, over, arching majority of the people that we do business with, they're going to engage with us online. They're going to send a request for more information or uh, set an appointment through our online calendar or our online quote request form. 
We're going to reach out to them. We're going to get all of the information that we need back and forth, more than likely over email with a couple phone calls. We're going to go out. We're going to get quotes. We're going to prepare our solution for them. We're going to put that into a video proposal that, guess what, is then delivered online via email and text message. It's mobily responsive so they can watch it. In fact, 83% of the people who consume our video proposals are doing so through a mobile device, and they're doing it outside of working hours. Yeah, late. Why? Right, right. Why? Because they work. They don't want to be right. have their day interrupted. Right. If you think about it, think about the pomp and circumstance around the average appointment, whether it be you're going in to close the deal or you're just doing fact-finding. Number one, out of your day, it's at least two, possibly three hours for one appointment by the time you count, I got to get my stuff packed up, I got to drive over there, I got to get there early, I've got to make small talk with the person in the lobby, now I'm going to go in, I'm going to meet for an hour, I'm going to say goodbye to the person in the lobby, get everything packed up in the car, head back to the office, that's three hours out of my day. Mm -hmm. I could deliver anywhere between three and five video proposals in that same three hours. And that goes back to having the ability to do that from a tech standpoint, but more importantly, having the mindset that, you know what, this is where the business is going. This is where things are happening. And I need to adapt my own game to deliver the message to people where they want to receive it. Guess who else likes video quotes? Carriers. Why do they like it? Because when you go and you you present a homeowner's quote to somebody, and now all of a sudden they have a claim after they rejected the ordinance and law coverage that you you recommended to right. them, and they try and hang it on you and say, oh, you never told me about that. I can say, go to the two minute and 37 second point. mark in the video proposal where I specifically gave you an example of ordinance and law. I told you what it covered. I told you why it was important relative to the age of your home and the updates that you've had since since you've moved in and you chose to decline it by checking the box that you understood this was a recommended coverage and you chose to decline it. We have it all on record. There is no he said, she said at that point. It is recorded. It's shown that that's the one that they watched and how many times they watch it with a date and time stamp. There, there, there's no question at that point. But the issue is that the agencies, by and large, just don't get that. They view it as a shiny object, and that's one of the biggest things. I have a guy in Killing Commercial right now that I'm going back and forth with over KPA. KPA is a product we use in our organization where we can create a customized risk management center for our clients. They have certificate monitoring of their subs. They have a remote job site evaluation tool. Their material safety data sheets are warehoused online. Uh, there's a learning and a, a, a learning management system where we go in based on their losses and we create the uh, recommended learning courses. They have certificates of completion for going through that. We have a full transcript. All of that stuff gets built. And the, the, the whole thing surrounded around an email that he sent me saying, hey, you need to look at this other company. They have a really good certificate tracking tool, and I think that they're cheaper than KPA. And my response was, well, yeah, if all you want KPA for is certificate tracking, <laughs> they are probably cheaper, but that's not how we're using it. you know. And here's the thing, Toby, more than anything else, if you're going to deploy technology in your agency, you know this as well as I do, there is an educational piece that has to go with that. Your clients aren't just going to automatically adopt yeah. and adapt to your technology just because you offered it. You have to teach them how to use it and why it's important. I was talking to another agent this morning, right? This And, I, and this is a guy that I've had a mentorship relationship with for a couple of years now, and we go for 30 minutes every Tuesday. And this morning he was wound up. I just let him go. 
and he and he kept going and going and going. And he was talking about all the reasons why his agency's not making as much money as they could and how much time he has to spend servicing. And all these people have questions and they're calling on the phone. And my first response was, you really should be having you really should have a knowledge base on your website and have more content out there so that people can self-serve and find their answers. They don't want to talk to you any more than you want to talk to them. It's a pain in their rear end too. Most people want to go find things on their point. own. But as he's going and I'm trying to hammer home, you really need to do videos, you really need to do blogs, you really need to do both. He's like, it's not my job to educate these people. Google is their friend. And I said, and therein lies the problem. You need to shift your mentality because it is our job to educate people. These clients that are calling us don't have insurance licenses. They don't have designations. You know what? You're right. Google is their friend. And when you have those people go to Google to look to the answer, look to find the answer to their question, they're going to come to my agency's webpage. They're going to find another agent, yeah. Because yeah. we've got the content. We've got the if, we've got the blog posts you are, out there. We've got the videos. Well, every if, time if you're you, asking if, one of your customers to do that, you're removing yourself from that value-added proposition, right? You're, right. Just, 100%. you're pushing it off. And, and that's, that's going to be the key between the agencies that go forward and the ones that sell off, die out, whatever you want to call it. Because, you know, I think the other key there, David, is to what you said earlier is that you got to be a little more sophisticated. It, it's about embracing every form of communication uh, we we just had to go back recently and fire up i mean this almost made me sick we had to fire up some of our snail mail notifications um because we were having a high level of cancellations in our contractor book higher than we'd had in five six months and we went back and audited that and finally got a hold of the guys they're like well i didn't get anything in the mail and we're like Dude, we text you all the time, right? Well, yeah, but I expect a bill in the mail, right? So, I mean, I think you've got to have the flexibility in the systems to be able to deal with, you know, not everybody's monolithic out there. You've just, you've got everybody operating at different levels. And like Kyle said earlier, it's not necessarily an age thing either. Um, yeah. That's what we've found. You have guys that are 22 that are just ant as much anti tech is people that are 75. So it, it, mm -hmm. it really cuts across some lines that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think that at the root, the most basic level of sales in any form is education. Like you, you absolutely are <laughs> responsible for educating them. I mean, regardless of what it is that you're selling, but especially when it comes to insurance, this shit is confusing. There are a lot of moving pieces. Like, and if you don't, then like David said, somebody else is, and, and they're, and they're going to take the business from you. Well, I mean that, right. That's the only thing keeping everybody from moving online and eliminating us all together is um, guys, we found this out and it's been a real interesting thing for us. We jumped into the affordable care act in a big way. Um, one of our producers has been on the president's council last five years on that. And, and what we found there was people had gone online, signed up, they'd done everything but pick a plan and would walk in and that's really all they wanted our help with was picking the plan, right? So it just goes to what, it's, it's confusing, it's complicated. It's why we don't all do our own taxes on TurboTax. It's just, who wants to know all that stuff, right? You just- Exactly. Yeah, there's a finite amount of uh, things that you can do. There's a finite amount of space I have in my brain. Yeah, right. You'd like to save some of it for some recreational stuff, right? 
Well, that's got, the fact. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, man. You know these these people have to realize technology is not in the agency world to replace the human interaction and the human experience. Right. It's here to enhance the human interaction and the human experience. The power of the meetings that you have when you're not when you're finally able to have that one on one, you're going into a room with somebody who's already consumed every ounce of information you could ask for them to consume, and you're having an educated, purposeful conversation with them. So the meeting is way more valuable than it would be if you're going in and trying to do all of that fact finding. I'll be honest with you. I don't know how we will ever go back to doing business the way we did it before COVID, right? We've always had the technology here. We've always had the ability to have our service team work remote, to be able to video conference, to do all the things we need to do. We just didn't adopt it because it wasn't a necessary thing for us to do. But as soon as COVID hit, boom, we flipped the switch and are off to the races. We just finished the single largest month in the history of our agency in September. And I look at all of the other stuff that I have on my plate right now that I'm juggling in addition to that. And it's not like I didn't write any business. I actually personally wrote a ton of business. Last Kyle beat me. I'll I'll, I'll give him Duran that. Wrote, just Duran just slinging wedding insurance left and right. Yeah. <laughs> well, in, in the thing, well, Duran is is getting ready. Like he, he, we're both fighting to pass him in October because I mean October one he tendered an AOR for forty thousand in revenue. So there you go. We're both going after him. But you know what I'm saying is. We figured it out, man. We don't run from technology. We embrace it, and, and yeah. sometimes we use it in ways people don't necessarily think about, right? There, there are things that we do with quote vids, like create landing pages that are password protected and other stuff that we have a specific purpose or a specific marketing intent for. That's not what that tool was designed for, but it's a great way for us to create something that has the appearance of having exclusive content behind a password protected page that people eat up. They absolutely love it. So Right. Well, and, the, the, and there's the challenge, David. It, it's it's even going beyond. It's not just about buying the technology. It's about buying it, learning it, and using it, right? And so, with like your friend that wants to buy the the package KPA, but they, all they want to do is use it for certs. You know, if that's what you're doing with your technology is buying something and and only using ten percent of its power, yeah, it's 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 a problem. You gotta you gotta go in there and see you know, all the ways you can maximize that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, we are, uh, we're coming up on time. Talk, I mean, is there anything that we've missed that you want the podcast world to hear about what you've got going on out there? No, just uh, check us out at GST software. Uh, the payment, you know, the payment portal, 25 bucks a month, and it'll save you three, $400 in expenses on the backside, not to mention, you know, saving a bunch of your cancellations, uh, you know, being able to text a link or email a link to somebody to just jump online and make the payment. I think, you know, I think when you're in the agency world and you've been the principal, you start to understand that for every person that just doesn't want to pay their bill, there's four of them that you just need to hold their hand to pay their bill. And it's, it gets to be a frustrating situation sometimes, but it's just the way of the world. And it's the way people's lives are. I think, you know, everything we discussed today just points to it's just so busy. I mean, people have people have got their day down. If they're in business for themselves, 
most people I find have their day down to 15 minute increments and they've got a long list of stuff they have to get done today. And so, you know, anytime you can make that easier on them, you're just, again, it's, it's another value and your at your value proposition. You're, you're giving them as their agency. Absolutely. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you coming on today and spending some time with us talking about what's going on in your area. Um, we don't hear a lot about what's happening in Montana, you know, so <laughs> unless I talk to my buddy Brandon Smith and he can tell me what's what's going on, um, you know, we don't we don't hear it in this part of the world too much. So I wish you nothing but success, man. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. People reach out to Toby. He told you what he does. He showed you how to get a hold of him. This guy is, is doing what he can to make waves in our industry, and we're always going to support people who have new and innovative technological solutions to industry-wide problems. So thanks so much for spending your time with us today, Toby. Hey, Kyle and David. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Drink thanks, man. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.